0: Hello, guys. Welcome to the new episode of Automated Seller Podcast. Uh, Today, I have a special guest, Teller. Teller, how are you?
1: Very good. Hi. Thanks for having me today, Jacob.
0: Sure, sure. Uh, So, Teller, I have a first question to you. I know that you're a chief sales officer of a retail empire, and I would like you to introduce yourself to the audience and the retail empire.
1: True. Uh, Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm I'm reading as S. Uh, sorry, CSO, but actually I'm the owner of the company. I just mm-hmm. define myself as sales officer because mainly what I deal with is sales. So my name is Taylor. I've been working with department stores in the USA for the last 22 years. Um, I've been living in Asia for 12 years, also in China, seven years, and producing for guys like Walmart and Costco. And I even did some private label uh, for both of them. And I was working with Denim Line for Beyonce, which was a very good success for me as a beginner back in those days. Um, Moving forward, I created my own brand and it was selling very, very good to around 60 retailers across the US. And around 2016 or 17, I kind of let it go uh, because of many reasons, mainly because it it was very hard for me all the manufacturing side. Anyway, what we do for the last six years is we take online brands like e-commerce, Shopify, Amazon sellers, and we bring them to the retail side, the more the the, the brick and mortar side of, of the industry in the USA. Mainly what we focus on is um, um, big boxes of, you know, uh, um, physical stores. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got it, got it. And now you are actually, uh, currently you live in Tel Aviv, right? And you said that you are doing it for uh, US. So here, actually, I would just add a quick follow-up question. It seems sure. like it doesn't really matter if you are like living in U.S. or outside of U.S. to actually sell to retail stores to
1: U.S. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, well, I'm based in Tel Aviv. Now it's easier because I used to do the same business when I was in China and the time gap was huge between the <laughs> States and China. Uh, but then I have a partner in L.A. and another one in Canada. And, you know, most of my vendors, I don't know if most, but at least half of them are not the U.S. vendors. I mean, I have vendors from Israel. Australia, UK, Portugal, and so on. So it doesn't really matter. As long as your brand is active in the United States, like selling on Amazon or Shopify, Mm -hmm. with your fulfillment center there, then there shouldn't be any problem. Perfect, perfect.
0: Now let's get back to uh, Retail Empire. Could you explain to the audience uh, your offer? What exactly do you do?
1: Right, yeah. So what we do, we are... um, looking at at the brand first of all like a brand is applying to us and we'll look at the brand trying to figure out the biggest question which is is this something that has potential for the retail industry so this is a very big question it's hard to define we'll probably talk about it down the road here today but then once we understand that there is or think that there is a potential and again you know we don't consider i don't consider myself as a top expert or anything like that i just you know kind of know the industry quite good for two decades by now. And then usually, I mean, usually when I see a brand with potential, I, I, I discover later on that I was right. But that's usually, that's not all the cases.
0: Mm-hmm. Anywho,
1: once, the, once we we figure that point, then we get, good, get moving to the next step before the sales. And the next step would be retail readiness. So retail readiness is a lot of things, but mainly what you need to take care of is, the website of the brand would look you know normal or good if possible and then a catalog so if you have one or two SKUs it wouldn't make sense to create a catalog a pdf one but you would just use your website but if you have 20 40 or 200 SKUs then yes it will make sense and then the next step will be looking at the packaging to make sure that you know you're not selling in a polybag because you cannot put a product in a polybag on a shelf in a store because it wouldn't look Right. Um, and then the main thing is the brief, which is, uh, is how to describe the brand shortly, precisely, and in an attractive way. So our goal, once we get to the sales part, which we will talk about, our goal is that when the buyer looks at this brand of yours presented to them, they, well, buyers are looking at, I guess, hundreds, if not thousands of brands every month, like so many people applying. Mm-hmm. We are uh, aiming to make sure that the, the buyer will take your brand on top of all the others that he sees and say, OK, this is a brand that I want to look into. I want to see samples. I want to see pricing. This is interesting. And that is, that is a, you know, not easy to, to make it happen, but that's what we're here for. And then we get to the sales part, which is the most important part. We are dividing it to three layers, but I don't know if you want me to talk about the sales part yet.
0: <laughs> not yet, not yet. Now I just wanted to uh, focus on overall like activities what, what you are doing, sure. right? And then um, be- before we continue in in depth, I just wanted to actually ask you this controversial question because. Um, especially during COVID, right? Uh, what happened is um, everything went online and uh, I've seen some experts who are saying that retail is, is will be dead. And now it seems like there's a huge potential actually there. People actually go back to stores. They really like the, to see the physical uh, stores. And um, actually, I wanted to ask you what f- in the first place inspired you to uh, create this company and one, why did you focus... Uh, why did you decide to focus on this particular market segment? Because, again, experts are saying two, both uh, both two things, and I really wonder what's your opinion on this.
1: So I guess it's a mix- mixture of um, numbers, which is always a be- good base when you create a business, and then a feeling as well. So in terms of the numbers, well, there are 29,000, a bit more than 29,000 retailers across the US. There are 4 million physical stores across this 29,000 plus... A few more which are not considered as as big boxes um the, the the retail market and this will probably surprise most of the vendors the retail market the brick and mortar is okay let's say it like that the online market in the usa is only 15 of out of the whole market so the brick and mortar is not 85 percent, but it's somewhere close to that because you also have you know other stuff that are not traditional stores, gas station, whatever it is, okay, where people are buying yeah. products on shelf. But however you look at it, the market is huge. That's the number, um, the number side, uh, first chapter. The se- second chapter is that, you know, I'm hearing the term retail apocalypse for almost a decade by now, but I don't see the apocalypse. I see the, vice- the exact opposite thing. Things are growing. If you look, if you search, you know, on Google, you will see a lot of different department stores are growing every day. They're not closing. So yeah, they closed during COVID because of what happened. And that was the rise of the the big rise of, of the online, definitely. But still they got back to business quite fast. Now on the emotional side, so-called emotional, I know how it is to struggle and get your products in front of buyers. Because I was doing it for myself with two different brands in other private labels. So I was so when I started this business, I was excited not only about the potential in the market that I know there is, but also about the fact that I can take a vendor who thinks like, you no, know, no, who's gonna look at my products? Those buyers, Macy's, Bloomingdale, Urban Outfitter, they're huge. And to make those buyers look at it and placing orders to those vendors, it's something very exciting because those vendors, the online ones, they have most of the cases they have no idea whatsoever how to do it at the same way that if you tell me go ahead and sell something on amazon i don't know i just don't know okay <laughs> so it's it's not that i'm it's just what i do yeah
0: yeah sure 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 got it uh he actually uh I, I would love to ask you like a follow up questions um regarding like it's it's a very simple question probably but i i know i am confused myself um, especially because we work with a lot of Amazon sellers and Amazon vendors. And I don't know, one year ago, I, I didn't know really what's the difference between uh, both of two. But here it seems like um, you're not really a seller anymore, right? I mean, if you consider yourself a seller online, for example, on Amazon, once you start selling to um retail stores you're becoming a vendor automatically right just this terminology i want to have it straight you are not no longer like a seller because on amazon again if you are a seller or if you are vendor it's like completely different business model and here if you are seller online actually when you sell to um retails you're becoming a vendor right
1: that is correct you're becoming the vendor and you know what just one one small mm-hmm. thing there's a misconception about what people are doing you know when i'm talking with amazon um, space people, I'm asking one of the questions I'm asking, like, what do you do for a living? How do you define yourself? So I'm an Amazon seller. I sell on Amazon. No, you're not. You're running a brand. You are a brand owner. Now, if you're just buying products as they are from China or India or wherever and selling them, then yes, you're no more than Amazon seller. But most of them, they have branding, logo, some kind of a basic packaging or advanced one and so forth. So I'm just saying that in terms of those this term, terminology, I would not define um, them as a vendor only, but as a brand owner, and that's how we look at it. Yeah. And there's a huge term say, called microbrands, the rise of the mm-hmm. microbrands. So yeah, it goes together.
0: Got it. Got it. Perfect. Um... And now, actually, I wanted to ask you for um, the whole process uh, that uh, Retail Empire follows uh, when working with a new client. Like, What is a step-by-step process uh, that's involved pretty much in in, in your strategy?
1: Yeah. So as I mentioned before, first, we're looking at the potential. Once we know there is a potential, we make sure that they are retail ready. This should take usually between a few days up to two weeks at the maximum. It's a very quick process. Normally, uh, and if we define, if we identify that it's not going to be easy, we don't accept them to our service bef- be- before they get ready, you know, if it's a long, a long uh, uh, process. But we do give them guidance. Now, once they get to sales, which is the most important thing, we work by three different layers. So, the first layer is me and my partner from Canada. We go through our list of contacts. So, right now, we're working with almost 400 uh, different retailers in the USA. Some of them has 16,000 stores, 8,000, 50 stores, it depends. But I, I count them the same as a retailer. So anyway, once, once we, we, we start these uh, sales efforts, um, we go through our list of buyers, which means the buyers that we work with on a daily basis. Like we have running orders or previous running orders with them. They know us, they know who we, who we are. And we're trying to sort the list. Meaning if you're showing me, for example, kitchen Kitchen items, okay. kitchen brand, kitchen accessory, let's say. And I'm trying to put to pull this and get it into Nordstrom, for example. So I have good relationship with the health and beauty HBC uh, um, uh, team of buyers in there, but I don't necessarily have the kitchen accessory one. So I will ask them, hey, can you get me introduced to this and that buyer? And they would normally say yes and do it. So that's a process. There's no way to automate that process because I don't even want to automate that because if they get a so-called MailChimp email from me or whatever it is, automated email, they were like, oh, what is this? Am I being targeted here? Are you serious, Taylor? Like, you know me, I know you. What's going on? So anyway, we don't do that with those buyers. And we're talking about more than 4,000 buyers across all of our lists, which is quite a lot. Thinking about going through them one by one. It's a very hard work, but that's what we do. Second thing that we do on the second layer, I would say, is the what we call the the special channels. So, in terms of the special channels, we have first of all the the relationship with subscription boxes, and if if you know for those who are listening, if you don't know what subscription boxes are, uh, you can definitely Google that. This is a huge industry in the United States where companies has tons of hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of subscribers buying. Paying subscription every month and getting like a box full of surprises. So for that box, it's, it could be nine ninety nine, it could be twenty nine, it could be ninety nine ninety nine, and so on. But in that box, they have somewhere between three to seven surprises products to their customers. There's a whole buzz around that YouTube videos and stuff mm-hmm. and Instagram and so on. So anyway, what we do is we 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 offer them those products from the vendors, hopefully to get into one of the boxes, which are you know getting. Very good traffic and business. Not only business, but also a huge promotional marketing for the brand. Uh, inside this layer of special channel, we also consider the .dot .com. So obviously, Amazon is not on our plate, but Walmart is something that we do work with. We can help with Walmart. It's not really a big goal for me because Walmart is, is a platform. Okay, let's not talk about Walmart. But then we have supply.com and Michaels.com. Those are like Tractor Supply's 2,500 stores, but they still have very good marketplace. Same goes for Micah's 1,100 stores with a good marketplace launched just the beginning of this year, Macy's.com, and so on. And inside those, we also have, we're also working with TV segments like Good Morning America, uh, mm-hmm. a, a, a show in HBC's ABC channel. Yeah. Uh, there's like Tori Johnson show there with segments and everything. And then we work with media companies, QVC, AGSN, and so on. So these are all considered as a special channel. So yeah, our main thing is retail, but still we want to try and offer our uh, vendors as many options as possible out of the traditional Amazon or Shopify thing. The third layer, well, I mentioned before, I worked with my own brand with 60 retailers. And if you noticed, I mentioned later on that as of now, we work with almost 400 retailers. That was quite a milestone to go from 60 to almost 400. And the only way for me to do it fast was by using softwares. So I got to the point where I used all my contacts, all my relationship, everything, and now like I'm stuck. So, okay, I still want to work with hundreds of more retailers, but how am I going to do it? And that, what we did is we started to use, that was about almost three years ago, we started to use different softwares Mm-hmm. zoom info hunter apollo you name it like all over the place we are probably using more than 20 different softwares first mm-hmm. of all to find buyers second to sort them out per our categories then to approach them and then approaching we don't approach by massive emails like Mailchimp or musan we do it one by one but not manually we have other softwares to automate the cold em- this is called cold emails okay yes and then you, once you send like between five to twenty thousand emails a day, you're gonna get probably at least a thousand or two thousand back of them. So then you have to sort them out: which one goes to the garbage, not interested, or which one are interested? Well, let's talk to the vendor and see what we can do for them and move their products. So yeah,
0: got it, got it. No, that was really comprehensive. Comprehensive answer. Thank you for for this, um, especially regarding a software. I actually wanted to do a follow up by, by you just mention it so uh that, that, that that's really cool but i wonder when you mention 400 um retailers are those 400 stores or are those 400 completely different uh, companies like brand uh, not completely brands, but like...
1: different completely different companies so mm-hmm. 400 stores would probably be one of the smallest Retailers yeah. that we work with, exactly, right? exactly. <laughs> like if you look, if you look at, at TJ Maxx that we work with, they alone have more than four thousand stores. Then mm-hmm. you have, no. uh, then you have Costco with almost uh, something close to three thousand. CVS with nine thousand nine hundred, and so on and so on. Not even Across, from, like mentioned the Walmart, right? <laughs> right, and Walmart, you know, it's crazy. But what I do see is recently it's getting very hard to get into Walmart stores because. Mm-hmm. They have kind of a, a method that developed in the last year or so. That if they want to get you in stores, if they are not really sure, which is most of the cases, they will want to see you selling online on their marketplace more yeah. than eighty eighty thousand dollars a month or more before they get you to the stores.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it, it and it specifically it with Walmart is like that.
0: Yes. Yes. Actually, I, I wanted to do a follow up on on Walmart as well because you mentioned that you, you were putting uh items to yeah, retail stores of, of, of walmart but i know that they um not like recently but for the last few years they launched their uh, online marketplace which right now i think it's like really booming i mean i i've seen it even on a Prosper show um, that people started talking about walmart i recently had uh, ryan king who is running a walmart agency on uh, on our podcast and uh Actually, I wonder if it's also in your business plan somewhere to help um, people to get to the online marketplace on Walmart or do you have partners uh, for
1: this? Yes, I mean, we are already doing that. It's not like something like, it's not a big part in our business, but we do it, you know, just as part of the other things that we do. Mm -hmm. What we are able to do in terms of Walmart, because you can subscribe online, you can do the whole process, you know, just onboarding without anything, but there's a method with them. They took their omni-channel, like stores, buyers, and they put some of them to help to marketplace vendors. So what happens is that, and we are connected to a few teams like that. So if you do that with this kind of method, then what happens is that simply they will lead you in the onboarding process. And then afterwards, when you start selling, every week they will follow up with you to make sure that you are growing your sales in their platform. So they mm-hmm. are from the inside, so they know how to help you, right? And mm-hmm. and this is like, yeah. So that's that's what we do in terms of Walmart Marketplace. Got it, got it.
0: Now, um, let's say someone who is running a big brand is uh, watching our podcast. Uh, he or she decided to actually expand to retail stores. For now, it's just online marketplaces. Um, and I, I wanted to ask you, if I would be this person, how do I know if there's a potential for my brand in a retail space? What are the most critical factor, factors to consider um, when it comes to like to determine the potential of
1: success? Right. So as long as you have 10, 15, or more SKUs, this is a very good, you know, very good thing to have, first of all. With five, six, seven SKUs, it's more different, more difficult. Why? Because think about the buyers having budget they don't want to spread the budget between 100 vendors. They want 20, 30, 40. It's just, just an example. It could be different numbers. But the idea is that you need to cover some part of your subcategory. So if it's kitchen accessories like we mentioned before, if you're covering with your SKUs between 25% to, to, to 50% of that subcategory, then they look at your brand as, as a good potential. But if you're covering 5% because you only have three, four SKUs and and they are not unique at all, then you have a problem. So you can sell things that are ununique, and I've been doing so last year pretty good, but then you need to have a good branding instead, right? Uh, Another point which is very strong, and this this is why we work with three brands like that, having only one SKU, is that because when you have a patent, on that mm-hmm. SKU, it's a whole different story because then basically, you know, your competition is very small if, if, if there is an, at all. So, yeah.
0: 100%. Actually, yeah, regarding the patent, we, we, we just faced, uh, let's say, um, a wall because uh, we've seen a really great product out there. Uh, I don't want to mention like details right now uh, maybe those people are watching us uh, watching us here but actually we we noticed like very nice product we wanted to reproduce it just for our case and fo- unfortunately uh those guys they have a patent and <laughs> right now we have a problem how to do it in a different way uh wow. for our cases so yeah. so yeah um now um I wanted to also ask you um how much would it cost uh for the brand owner to actually get set up and be ready for retail
1: okay so on their self what they need to consider is refurnishing the website which is normally doing most of the vendors i've seen are either doing it internally or or with their you know constant working with the designer so the catalog might cost a bit as well catalog well people when they ask me either if they work with me or not i'm referring them to a company from I don't know if they're Indian or, or Pakistan or something, but these guys are, are like a bunch of guys that they are doing catalogs for people I work with for already a few years. They know how to make a retail-oriented retail, retail oriented catalog, and it costs between 150 to four or $500. It depends how many pages, how deep you want to mm-hmm. go, and so forth. But it's a couple of hundreds. On terms of SalesTube, which is our service, we call it SalesTube, YouTube's sales, tube anyway. Uh so what we charge is both subscription monthly fee and percentage from the deals. So the subscription right now it's 9.99 but we're going to have um a promotion for quite a while of half price because we want to we want to get more brands coming in. Uh so it's going to be 4.99 a month. But then and as long as you register we work for you with all those you know retailers. And then the, the the main thing for us, which is what our business model is built on, is the percentage, which is between five to ten percent. So you would ask me why is it five to ten? How can you determine if it's this or that, or is it seven or what? So I'm saying that we have to be open with this percentage because if you look at pricing, and I'm a little bit glitching to the pricing for a second. If your price for instance is $50 MSRP retail price okay you take your patent you sell it online $50 that's what the consumer the final consumer is paying your wholesale price would probably be around 20 to 25 meaning it's going to be between 40 45 to 50% off the MSRP that means that your cost need to be half of that so if your cost is 12 12.5 selling for 25 and they sell for 50 everyone's happy I'm taking my 10%. Everyone is good. But if you go to TJ Maxx or Marshalls or Home Goods companies like that that are selling off price, they would not pay the 25, not the 20, and not even 15. They would try to pull you to around $14, $15. So if mm-hmm. you are buying for $10, $12, I cannot come to that deal and say, hey, retail emperor takes 10%. That's it. No, it doesn't make sense because we are not supposed, as a rep agent, we are not supposed to make the same amount as the vendor, not even close to that. That's why mm-hmm. we have this gap between 5 to 10% because it has to make sense. Because eventually, our yeah. main goal is not only to get the deals, but to have a long-term relationship with the vendors because the repeat orders is the easiest part of the business. Mm-hmm.
0: Got it. Got it. No, definitely there are factors, and uh, it's really good that you consider all of the cases uh, yeah. for, for the brands. And actually, since we are here, I wonder what's your—if you could also say, like, what's your biggest uh, success story of your client that you worked with, um, and actually he or she's, um experienced the significant growth through selling to retail
1: stores. So I had there's a story that happened last year. Two stories actually. One is a seller from New York, a Hasidic Jewish guy, and another lady, a Chinese lady, very, very sweet and, and intelligent lady from, uh, um, from LA. Both of them succeeded very good. Now, what happened with the lady from LA? She has four or five SKUs. Back in those days, it was a year and a bit ago. She had, four, I think, four SKUs and health and beauty care. So I said, Lisa, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be very hard, because the, the 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 products are beautiful, but I've I've seen so many of the same thing. She said, "Don't worry about the potential. Leave that to me. You just go ahead and do do your do what you do, do your thing, do the magic, so called magic." <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we started to sell the products, and within less than five weeks, we got over it was close to six hundred thousand dollar orders within five weeks. We just started. Moving forward, we had more orders coming in. We worked with three subscription boxes, DJ Max, Marshall. Uh, we had their their hair products. We had them on deals and steals in on TV. A lot of good things happened, but at some point, somewhere next, uh, closer to the last Christmas, it went down and down. I don't really understand why until now. But at the same time. The vendor from New York was selling, he had two brands. He had one kitchen accessory and one uh, gardening, you know, hoses for the garden. Like normal hoses. So with the hoses, with the kitchen item, we sold very rapidly hundreds of thousands of dollars to Nordstrom with his products. And they are casual products. There's nothing special about them. He just, you know, he was just, he was just precise with what he was doing. And there's not, I think he had on the kitchen area, he had like 12 or 13 Skews on the gardening, he had six of them. And the gardening one went to Costco. So here is what Costco is doing. Costco is taking a test order first to 16 locations. It takes a long time to work with them, but then 16 locations, usually between two and four pallets per store. They test it in 16 stores, one six. Once it's proved to sell good in those 16 stores, they take four to eight pallets for 500 stores. And that's mm-hmm. normally going to be an order of between three to five million dollar, and that's oh, wow. what's happening now with this guy. Uh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> crazy, yeah,
0: crazy, yeah. That's that's really great, great success story, actually. Yeah. Um, and now for um, actually, yeah, for new retailers, new potential retailers, could you share some emerging trends, opportunities, maybe some niches that uh, they could look into? Uh, that in in if in the future they would decide to actually go and start selling to real estate stores they should look look into.
1: You mean which retailers people should look at it when when they start? No, when more more
0: it? like more like uh, I think the other way around. So I mean, definitely it has to be a fit between the retailer and the um, exactly. vend- potential vendor, right? Um, but maybe first let's just focus overall about like trends, opportunities, niches, uh, like kind of products that uh, could be unique, that people could look into.
1: Right. So I, I guess people will ask ChatGPT. And I can <laughs> tell you that even if you use ChatGPT browser version connected to the internet, like not the old version, even if mm-hmm. it's ChatGPT 4, the answers are misleading. You have to know that. I found tons of mistakes there because I was just trying to test it for myself. and Maybe I'll find something I don't know. Anywho, you have to divide first your product. Like, is it an off price product or medium or high end? Once you know that, you're going to match the retailers off price. And you can check that still with ChatGPT, but better we do on Wikipedia, not even Google, Wikipedia. Off price retailers in the USA. You're going to get Marshalls, Bills of Florida, Tuesday morning, uh, obviously TJ Maxx. Uh, these are the type of companies. If it's a high end product, like a Two, three, $400 product, let's say luggages, bags, very high, very unique leather stuff and so on, or outdoor products, then you probably want to go to the high end, which is going to be Goldman, Neiman Marcus, Macy's. Although Macy's used to be high end, now it's so, so those type of of companies, uh, Saks Fifth Avenue and so on. But then you have to define where you're at. But And this is a big but. If you're selling outdoor products, it is obviously suitable for most of the retailers, but there are uh, uh, certain retailers only for that niche. And you're looking at Academy Sport, REI, Dick Sporting Goods, companies like that. Okay, Patagonia, they are selling specifically outdoor. That means, you know, tents, boats, accessories, even... Even gun accessories and stuff like that. And, and I've seen a lot of brands doing those stuff, like optic stuff and, and so on.
0: Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. it. Seems like there's a lot of strategy and thinking here. It's not really like uh, you launch the crazy hyping product on TikTok and bam, it just goes like this here. You really no, need to not. do it. You need to know a people. You need to do a lot of research um, and correct. you need to connect the dots. No, that's, that's really great. That I learned perfect. so much, uh, actually, just by <laughs> listening to you today. So thanks a lot, uh, Teller. And for, for the last question, it's it's more about uh, actually you. Uh, is there anything you'd like to share with the audience where um, they can find you if someone is interested in
1: getting into the retail stores? Sure. So two channels that I'm always referring to. The first one is a very silent WhatsApp group I have by now, there's, I guess, 200 and something people uh, in there. It's silent because I'm the only one who's posting there. It's closed. And then I post once a day, only five times a week, with tips about retail and with real-time requests. Like if a buyer is approaching saying, hey, Taylor, I'm looking for whatever, gadgets, I'm posting it there. And if someone has suitable thing, they can always approach me and take it to the next step. That's the first channel. The second one... Uh, Well, you can look for Retail Empire uh, uh, Facebook group and everything, but the second real channel is SalesTube. Uh, I'll share the link here. And because SalesTube is like really describing in detail everything I mentioned here today in Dots, uh, how we work, how we operate, what we expect from you, what you can expect from us, and there's even a way to schedule a call with me or with my partner and so on. So that's the easiest way to touch base with us.
0: Totally. I will make sure to include those information uh, in the description uh, below the video so everyone can uh, check. Perfect. Then Teller, thanks a lot for um, the podcast today. It was really awesome. Uh, I don't have much opportunities to talk about the retail stores, so <laughs> this one is definitely really good. <laughs> so thanks a Great. lot. We see each other soon in Tel Aviv. Uh, I'm yes. excited. So, yes, me too. Thank you. Thank you so much for Bye-bye. having me,
1: Jacob. Thank you. Have a nice day.